Lenin's What is to be Done in the new Lars Lee translation. Chapter 4. The Artisanal Limitations of the Economists and the Organization of Revolutionaries. So this title is exceptionally remarkable here, so I'm going to give an unusual little note on this. The original Russian word is kustarnichestvo, which refers to some kind of rustic image, probably kind of country, whatever, but it refers specifically to cottage industry as opposed to more centralized, rationalized production. And this is a metaphor for the bad way that the economists are going about organizing revolutionaries. And the old Comintern translation actually translates this into English as primitiveness of the economists, which it can be sort of anti-indigenous, it can be uh, not understanding of like natural farming, the, the harm that it comes from industrial monoculture, you know, all of this sort of thing, uh, right? So actually Lars Lee's choice here of artisanal limitations, if you take it as a backhanded reference to the hipster handicraft fetish of the, the 2000 aughts, right, in like Brooklyn or something, You know, imagine a very well-heeled settler in a Civil War vintage uh, haircut and beard that he gets trimmed every couple days at the artisan uh, shaver with a single-blade razor, and he makes artisan prosciutto in his closet, and he brews small-batch craft beer in his basement, grows uh, heirloom tomatoes in a single pot on his balcony, so that he can have exactly one mini tomato per week, right? It's not uh, actually like thought out. If you were, even if you're doing natural farming, you have to think it out and you have to think, how many people do I need to feed? What foods can I get when? And how can I balance this with any uh, obstacles, right? Uh, Like police spies trying to join your organization. On that note, uh, the translation of weeds, uh, Lars Lee uses some word for weed that I didn't even know. Uh, It means like specifically a poisonous weed. So I think we would have been okay to just reach for the easy uh, weeds versus the wheat when we're talking about trying to avoid police spies, of which Lenin dealt with many, many. So this is really interesting. They totally had COINTELPRO back in the czarist uh, Russian days, right? But uh, too much commentary. I'm going to shut up and read. But that right there, Kustarnichestvo means... uh, The economists are still approaching this in a very amateurish sort of way, and Lenin would rather develop revolutionaries by trade. So here's Lenin. The affirmations by Rabotier Diello that we analyzed above, the economic struggle is the broadest applicable means of political agitation. Our present task is to impart a political character to the economic struggle itself, and so on betray a narrow understanding not only of our political but of our organizational tasks. The, quote, economic struggle with the owners and the government, unquote, absolutely does not need, and for that reason such a struggle will never give rise to, an all-Russian centralized organization merging each and every manifestation of political opposition, protest, and indignation into one general assault, an organization consisting of revolutionaries by trade and guided by the genuine political leaders of the whole people. And this is understandable. 
The character of the organization of any institution is naturally and inevitably defined by the content of the activity of that institution. By means of the affirmations analyzed above, therefore, Rabocce Diello sanctifies and legitimates not only a narrowness of political activity, but a narrowness of organizational work. And in this case, as always, it remains a publication whose purposiveness abdicates before stehinost, that is spontaneity, pure, uncontrolled energy. And meanwhile, the kowtowing to forms of organization that arose in stehini fashion, that is spontaneous fashion, the absence of any awareness of how narrow and primitive is our organizational work, of how we are still, quote, artisans in this important area. The absence of this awareness, I say, constitutes a real sickness of our movement. Now, it goes without saying that this is a sickness not of decline but of growth. But precisely at this moment, when, so to speak, a wave of stihini indignation against Tsarism is breaking around us, the leader guides and organizers of the movement, the most irreconcilable struggle is more than ever necessary against any defense of falling behind, against any legitimization of narrowness in this matter. It is particularly necessary to awaken in anyone who participates in practical work or who intends to undertake such work a dissatisfaction with the artisanal limitations dominant among us, as well as an unshakable resolution to escape from them. A. What are artisanal limitations? We will try to answer this question with a short sketch of the activity of a typical social democratic circle in the years 1894 to 1901. We have already referred to the very widespread enthusiasm for Marxism among the students of this period. The enthusiasm was, of course, not only, in fact, not so much, for Marxism as a theory, but rather as an answer to the question, what is to be done? And as an appeal to march out against the enemy. And the new warriors went into battle with surprisingly primitive equipment and preparation. In very many cases, there was indeed next to no equipment and absolutely no preparation. The warriors went to war like muzhiks, that is, Russian peasants, from the plow who grab a cudgel as they go. A circle of students, without any links to older activists of the movement, without any link to circles in other localities or even in other parts of the same town or in other educational establishments, without any organization of the separate parts of revolutionary work, without any systematic plan of activity for any significant period, establishes links with the workers and gets down to work. The circle gradually unfolds broader and broader propaganda and agitation, draws to itself by the very fact of its appearance the sympathy of fairly broad strata of the workers and the sympathy of a certain part of educated society, which provides money and puts many new groups of young people at the disposal of the committee, quote-unquote. The charisma of the committee, or, quote, union of struggle, grows. The scope of its activity grows, and it broadens this activity in completely stahini fashion. The very same people who a year or several months ago made their appearance in student circles and pondered the question, quote, in what direction should we go, 
unquote, who created and supported contacts with the workers, prepared and released leaflets, created links with other groups of revolutionaries, managed to find some illegal literature, undertook to publish a local newspaper, were starting to talk of setting up a demonstration, these people decided finally to move on to open acts of war. Although such an act of war might be, according to circumstances, the first agitational leaflet, or the first issue of a newspaper, or the first demonstration. And, usually, the very beginning of these actions led immediately to a complete proval, destruction of the organization by arrests. Quote, immediately, and quote, complete, precisely because these actions of war were not the result of a plan for stubborn and prolonged struggle, a plan that was systematic, thought out beforehand, and prepared over time, but rather the result of a stihini growth of circle-type work conducted in traditional fashion. Another reason was that the police, naturally, almost always knew all the principal activists in the local movement, who had, quote, made a name for themselves, unquote, already at school. The police had only been waiting for the most convenient moment for a raid and deliberately allowed the circle to expand and develop in order to have a tangible corpus delicti, which is Latin for the body of the beloved, while always deliberately letting a few people known to it stay behind, quote, as breeders, unquote, to use the technical expression one adopted as far as I know, both by our side and the gendarmes. Is it possible to compare a war fought in this way to anything other than a gang of peasants armed with cudgels going into battle against modern troops? And we can only marvel at the vitality of a movement that continued to broaden, grow, and achieve victories despite the entire lack of preparation on the part of the fighters. True, from a historical point of view, the primitiveness of the equipment was not only inevitable at the beginning, but even legitimate, as one of the conditions for a broad enlistment of soldiers. But as soon as serious actions of war began, and in essence they had already begun with the summer strikes of 1896, the inadequacies of our battle organization started to make themselves felt with greater and greater intensity. The government, although taken aback at first and making all sorts of mistakes, for example, making appeals to society with descriptions of the evil deeds of the socialists or sending workers from the capitals to provincial industrial centers, quickly adjusted to the new conditions of struggle and managed to install, where needed, its own detachments of provocateurs, spies, and gendarmes, all provided with the most up-to-date equipment. Raids became so frequent seized such a mass of people and swept away the local circles so thoroughly that the worker mass literally lost all its leader guides. The movement acquired an unbelievably sporadic character and absolutely no continuity or coordination of work could be established. The striking fragmentation of the work of local activists, the casual way circles acquired members, their lack of preparation and narrow outlook concerning theoretical, organizational, and political issues, all this was an inevitable result of the conditions just described. Things got to such a pass that, in several places, the workers are imbued with a lack of trust toward intelligenti in general and try to keep away from them. The intelligenti, they say, are too careless 
and cause provali, which means fizzles, failures, flops, uh, rot in Russian. Anyone who is the slightest bit acquainted with the movement knows that artisanal limitations have come to be felt as a disease by all thinking social democrats, and lest the reader who is unacquainted with the movement think that we are artificially, quote, constructing a special stage or a special sickness of the movement, we will refer to the testimony of a witness we have already cited once before. The reader will forgive us for the lengthy excerpt. Boris Savinkov writes in Roboche Adiello number six. If the gradual transition to broader practical activity, a transition that finds itself in direct dependence on the overall transition period that the Russian worker movement is now going through, is a characteristic feature of the times, there is also another no less interesting feature that concerns the general mechanism of the Russian worker revolution. We speak here of the general shortage of revolutionary forces fit for action. Note one, our emphasis here as elsewhere. This general shortage that is making itself felt not only in Petersburg, but all over Russia. Given the overall coming to life of the worker movement, the overall development of the worker mass, the ever more frequent occurrences of strikes, the ever more open mass struggle of the workers, the intensifying government persecution, arrests, deportations, and exiles, given all these, this shortage of revolutionary forces of high quality is becoming more and more noticeable and undoubtedly is not without influence on the overall character of the movement. Many strikes take place without a strong and direct impact from revolutionary organizations. A shortage of agitational leaflets and illegal literature makes itself felt. The worker circles are left without agitators. Along with all this is a constant need of funds. In a word, the growth of the worker movement has outpaced the growth and development of revolutionary organizations. The available cores of active revolutionaries is much too small to be able to concentrate in its hands the necessary influence on the worker mass in its present state of unrest, or to impart to all this unrest even a shadow of order and organization. Individual circles, individual revolutionaries are not gathered together, are not merged, do not constitute a single strong and disciplined organization with systematically developed parts. End of the quote. After noting that the immediate appearance of new circles to take the place of the shattered ones, quote, demonstrates only the vitality of the movement, but does not demonstrate the existence of a sufficient quantity of fully fit revolutionary activists, unquote. The author concludes, The lack of practical preparation of the Petersburg revolutionaries makes itself known in the results of their work. The recent trials, especially those of the group, quote, self-liberation and, quote, labor's struggle with capital, unquote, clearly show that a young agitator who has no detailed knowledge of the conditions of labor and therefore of the conditions of agitation at a given factory, who does not know the principles of conspiratia, and who has absorbed, if indeed he has absorbed, note two, this is Lenin's parenthetical comment, only the general outlook of social democracy. Such a person can only continue his work four, five, or six months. 
Then comes an arrest, often leading to the complete breakup of the whole organization, or at least parts of it. Let us ask ourselves, is successful and fruitful activity possible for groups whose entire lifespan is measured in months? Obviously, the inadequacies of existing organizations should not be blamed exclusively on the transitional period. Obviously, the quantitative and most important qualitative level of the personnel of the organizations now operating plays a not unimportant role here. And the first task of our social democrats must be the genuine merger of the existing separate organizations combined with a strict selection of members. End of the quote. B. Artisanal limitations and economism. We must now dwell on a question that probably has already occurred to the reader. Can we establish a link between artisanal limitations, a sign of the growing pains common to the whole movement, and, quote, economism as only one of the tendencies in Russian social democracy? We think yes. Lack of practical preparation, clumsiness in organizational work is truly common to all of us, including those who have stood for revolutionary Marxism unswervingly from the very beginning. And of course, no one can castigate the practici for this lack of preparation in and of itself. But the concept of, quote, artisanal limitations includes something else besides lack of preparation. The narrow scope of all one's revolutionary work in general, the failure to understand that this narrow work cannot form the basis of a well-constructed organization of revolutionaries, and lastly, this is the main point, attempts to justify this narrowness and to exalt it into a special, quote, theory, in other words, kowtowing to stichinost, in this area as well. As soon as attempts of this kind reveal themselves, we can be sure that artisanal limitations are linked to, quote, economism, and that we will not free ourselves from narrowness in our organizational activity without first freeing ourselves from, quote, economism in general. That is, from a narrow understanding both of the theory of Marxism and of the role of social democracy and its political tasks. And such attempts have revealed themselves in two different ways. Some people have started to say the worker mass has not yet itself advanced the kind of broad and militant political tasks which revolutionaries try to, quote, impose on them. The workers should therefore continue to fight for immediate political demands to conduct a, quote, economic struggle with the owners and the government, unquote, note three, and naturally corresponding to this struggle that is, quote, accessible to the mass movement is an organization that is, quote, accessible even to the most unprepared young people. Note 3, Rabochaya Musil and Raboche Diello, especially Raboche Diello's answer to Plekhanov, is the source there. Other people, far removed from any form of, quote, gradualness, have started to say, we can and we must, quote, carry out a political revolution, unquote, but this does not mean there is any need to create a strong organization of revolutionaries that will educate the proletariat in firm and stubborn struggle. All that is necessary for carrying out a revolution is to grab hold of the, quote, accessible cudgel already known to us. 
to speak without allegory, these people say that we should prepare a general strike, note four, or that we need to instigate the, quote, sluggish course of the worker movement by means of, quote, excitative terror, note five. Now, note four, the pamphlet Who Will Carry Out the Political Revolution to be found in a collection published in Russia entitled Proletarian Struggle. The pamphlet was also published by the Kiev Committee. And note five, the rebirth of revolutionism in Russia and Svoboda. And the sources for that. Back in the body text, both these tendencies, the opportunists as well as the, quote, revolutionists, abdicate before the domination of artisanal limitations. They do not believe in the possibility of freeing themselves from it. They do not understand our first and most pressing practical task, to create an organization of revolutionaries that is able to assure the energy, stability, and continuity of the political struggle. In the previous section, we cited the words of B.V., that is Boris Savinkov, the growth of the worker movement has outpaced the growth and development of revolutionary organizations, unquote. This, quote, valuable communication from an on-the-spot observer, unquote, as the editors of Roboche Diallo describe this article, has a double value for us. It shows that we were right when we identified the basic reason for the crisis in Russian social democracy as the leader guides, quote, unquote, ideologues, revolutionaries, social democrats, who fall behind the stahini upsurge of the masses. It shows that all the ruminations of the authors of the, quote, economist letter in Iskra number 12 of B. Krzyzewski and Martinov about the danger of underestimating the significance of the stahini element or of the gray ongoing struggle about tactics as process and so forth, all these ruminations are exactly a glorification and defense of artisanal limitations. These people who cannot pronounce the word theorist without a condescending smirk, who label their own genuflection before simple lack of preparation and lack of development as a, quote, feel for real life, unquote, are in fact exposing their failure to understand our most pressing practical tasks. They shout to people who are falling behind, keep in step, don't get ahead, to people who are suffering from a lack of energy and initiative in organizational work, from a shortage of, quote, plans for a broad and audacious approach to the issues, they shout about the need for, quote, tactics, process, unquote, at a time when our fundamental sin consists in lowering our political and organizational tasks to the most immediate, quote, tangible and, quote, concrete interests of the ongoing economic struggle, all we hear is the same old song. We must impart a political character to the economic struggle itself. To say it once again, this kind of, quote, feel for real life, unquote, is literally the same kind as the hero of the popular epic who cries, quote, many happy returns of the day, unquote, to a funeral procession. And not coming back. Recall the unequaled condescension, truly in the style of Narcissus to Porolov, with which these sages lectured Plekhanov, quote, 
Political tasks in the actual and practical sense of the term, that is, in the sense of a rational and successful practical struggle for political demands, are not in general, seek, you know, accessible to worker circles. Unquote. Answer of the editorial board of Roboche Yellow, page 24. There are circles and then there are circles, gentlemen. Of course, a circle of, quote, artisans will not find political tasks accessible as long as these artisans are not aware of their artisanal limitations and do not free themselves from them. If, added to all this, these artisans have fallen in love with their own artisanal limitations, if they put, quote, practical in italics without fail, and imagine that this practicality demands a lowering of their tasks to the level of the understanding of the most backward strata of the masses, then, of course, these artisans are hopeless and they will find political tasks inaccessible in general. But a circle of inspiring leaders, such as Alexeyev and Mishkin, Khalturin and Zheliabov, revolutionaries of the 1870s, are capable of political tasks in the most genuine and practical sense of the word, precisely because their impassioned preaching meets with an answering call from the masses, awakening in Stahini fashion, and the leader's seething energy is taken up and supported by the energy of the revolutionary class. Plekhanov was a thousand times right when he not only identified the workers as the revolutionary class, not only proved the inevitability and unavoidability of its Stahini awakening, but also presented to the, quote, worker circles a great and noble political task. But you refer to the mass movement that arose afterwards in order to lower this task, in order to narrow the energy and sweep of the activity of the, quote, worker circles, unquote. What is this except an artisan's infatuation with his own artisanal limitation? You brag about your practicality, and you don't see a fact known to any Russian practique. What miracles for the revolutionary cause can be brought about not only by a circle, but by a lone individual? Or do you think that our movement can't produce real leaders like those of the 70s? Why? Because we're unprepared? But we are preparing ourselves. We will go on preparing ourselves, and we will not stop until we are prepared. True, in the stagnant waters of, quote, an economic struggle against the owners and the government, unquote, a certain film has unfortunately formed. People appear among us who get down on their knees and pray to Stahinost, gazing with beatitude, as Plekhanov put it, on the, quote, posterior of the Russian proletariat but we will be able to free ourselves from this stagnant film. And it is precisely at the present time that the Russian revolutionary, guided by a genuinely revolutionary theory and relying on the class that is genuinely revolutionary and that is undergoing a Stahini awakening, can at last, at last, draw himself up to his full stature and reveal all his heroic, Bogatirsky, strength, and for this to happen, all that is needed is for the mass of practici and the even greater mass of people who have been dreaming of practical work since school days to greet the slightest attempt to lower our political tasks or the scope of our organizational work 
with ridicule and contempt. And we will ensure that this happens. Don't worry, gentlemen. In the article, quote, Where to Begin, I wrote the following against Roboche Diello. It is possible within 24 hours to change an agitational tactic on some special issue or a tactic on some detail of party organization, but to change within 24 hours or even within 24 months one's views on whether we need always and unconditionally a militant organization and political agitation among the mass is something that only people without any solid foundations can do. Raboche Diallo answers, This accusation, the only one with even a claim to factual validity, is utterly baseless. The readers of Raboche Diallo know well that from the very beginning we not only called for political agitation, and we didn't have to wait for Iskra to make its appearance. End of the quote. And at the same time, the editors made this call. They said that it was, quote, impossible to present, unquote, not only to worker circles, but, quote, to the mass worker movement, the overthrow of the absolutism as the primary political task, unquote. All that was possible was the struggle for immediate political demands and, quote, immediate political demands become accessible for the mass after one or at the most several strikes, unquote. Now begin a block quote, but our publications provided the comrades working in Russia the sole social democratic political agitational material coming from abroad, unquote. And in this sole material, you applied allegedly broad political agitation solely on the grounds of the economic struggle. And you also managed to arrive at the conclusion that this narrowing of agitation is, quote, the most widely applicable, unquote, means. And you don't realize, gentlemen, that given this type of soul material, your argument demonstrates precisely the necessity of the appearance of Iskra and the necessity of Iskra's struggle with Rabochidiello. Quote, Furthermore, our publishing activity in actual fact prepared the tactical unity of the party, unquote a unity based on the view that tactics are a process of the growth of party tasks growing along with the party? Such a valuable unity. Block quote. And by so doing, prepared the possibility of a, quote, militant organization, an organization for whose creation the union has done everything within the reach of an emigre organization. Roboche Diallo, number 10, page 15. End of the quote. You try to wriggle out in vain. You've done everything within your own reach. I wouldn't think of denying it. I affirmed, and affirm now, that the limits of your, quote, reach are narrowed for you by the myopia of your understanding of things. It is absurd even to talk about a, quote, militant organization if all you are interested in is a struggle for, quote, immediate political demands, unquote, or, quote, economic struggle with the owners and the government, unquote. But if the reader wants to see real pearls of, quote, economist infatuation with artisanal limitations, then of course he must turn from Roboche Diello's eclecticism and lack of stability to the thoroughgoing and resolute Rabochaya Musel. R. M. Tokhtarev writes in the separate supplement, page 13, and now a few words in particular about the so-called revolutionary intelligentsia. True, it has shown more than once in practice its complete readiness to, quote, enter into a decisive clash with czarism, 
unquote. The only trouble is this. Because it is mercilessly persecuted by the political police, our revolutionary intelligentsia takes a struggle with this political police to be a political struggle with the autocracy. Therefore, even up to the present time, it still finds this question unresolved, quote, where to get forces for a struggle with the autocracy, unquote. How truly inimitable is this magnificent contempt for the struggle with the police shown by a worshiper, in the bad sense of the word, of the Stahini movement. He is ready to justify our clumsiness in matters of conspiratia because we have a Stahini mass movement and therefore when you get down to it, the struggle with the police is unimportant. <laughs> Very, very few people will sub subscribe to this monstrous conclusion since everybody is so greatly concerned by the burning question of the inadequacies of our revolutionary organizations. But if Martinov, for example, does not explicitly subscribe to this thesis, it is only because he is unable or lacks the courage to think through his own positions to the end. Indeed, take a, quote, task, such as having the mass of workers put forward concrete demands that promise tangible results. Does such a task demand any special worries about the creation of a strong, centralized, and militant organization of revolutionaries? Isn't this, quote, task already being carried out by the mass itself, that qua mass, as a mass, does not, quote, struggle against the political police, unquote, at all? More than that, would this task ever be carried out, besides a very few leader guides, were it not taken in hand for the most part by such workers as are entirely without the skills required for, quote, struggling against the political police, unquote. These workers, average people of the mass, are capable of showing gigantic energy and self-sacrifice in a strike, in a street battle with the police and the troops, they are capable of deciding the outcome of our entire movement, and only they can do this. But it is precisely a struggle with the political police that demands special qualities, that demands revolutionaries by trade. And we must take care not only that the mass, quote, puts forward, unquote, concrete demands, but also that the mass of workers, quote, puts forward in ever greater numbers, the needed revolutionaries by trade. We have arrived in this way to the issue of the relation between the organization of revolutionaries by trade and the exclusively worker movement. This issue is little discussed in the literature, but we, quote, politicals, have been much occupied with it in conversations and disputes with those comrades who tend toward, quote, economism in more or less pronounced fashion. It is worth considering in detail. But first, let us finish up with one more citation that illustrates our thesis about the link between artisanal limitations and, quote, economism. Prokopovich, that is under the pseudonym NN, writes in his, quote, answer to Axel Rode, quote, the emancipation of labor group demands a straightforward struggle with the government without pondering whether there is a material force for this struggle, without showing where are the means for this struggle, unquote. And underlining the last words, the author makes the following comment on the word means. This circumstance cannot be explained by consideration of conspiratia, 
since our program does not speak about a conspiracy, but about a mass movement. But certainly the mass cannot proceed using secret means. Is a secret strike possible? Are secret demonstrations and petitions possible? That's in Vademecum, page 59. The author himself pointed in the direction of the required, quote, material force, those who arrange strikes and demonstrations, as well as to the, quote, means for the struggle. But nevertheless, he ends up in disarray and confusion because he, quote, kowtows before the mass movement. That is, he regards it as something that relieves us of any need for our revolutionary activeness and not as something that should encourage and push forward our revolutionary activeness. Yes, a secret strike is impossible for its participants and those immediately connected with it, but for the mass of Russian workers, this strike can remain, and for the most part will remain, a, quote, secret, since the government takes care to cut off any contact with the strikers, takes care to make any dissemination of information about the strike impossible. And right here is where we need a special, quote, struggle with the political police, unquote, a struggle that will never be actively carried out by a mass as broad as that which takes part in the strikes themselves. This struggle should be organized, quote, according to all the rules of art, unquote, by people who engage in revolutionary activity with the seriousness of a trade. The organization of this struggle does not become less necessary because the mass is drawn into the movement in Stahini fashion. On the contrary, this circumstance makes such an organization more necessary since we socialists will not fulfill our direct responsibilities toward the mass if we are not able to thwart the attempts by the police to make every strike and every demonstration a secret. And if we ourselves did not sometimes prepare strikes and demonstrations in secret. And we will be able to do these things precisely because the mass that is awakening in Stahini fashion will push forward from its own milieu a greater and greater number of, quote, revolutionaries by trade, unquote, if we don't convince ourselves that it is a great idea on all occasions to invite the workers to mark time. C. Organization of Workers and Organization of Revolutionaries If a social democrat's concept of political struggle is coterminous with the concept of, quote, economic struggle with the owners and the government, then it is natural to expect that his concept of, quote, organization of revolutionaries, unquote, will be more or less coterminous with the concept, quote, organization of workers. And this is what actually happens, so that when we talk together about organization, we appear literally to be talking in different languages. For example, I recall a conversation with one fairly thoroughgoing, quote, economist, with whom I was not previously acquainted. We were talking about the pamphlet, Who Will Carry Out the Political Revolution? And we quickly came to an agreement that its basic shortcoming was that it ignored the question of organization. We thus imagined that we were in complete solidarity, but the conversation continued on its course and it turned out that we were talking about different things. My fellow conversationalist accused the author of ignoring strike funds, mutual aid societies, and so forth, 
while I had in mind the organization of revolutionaries that was necessary for, quote, carrying out the political revolution. As soon as this disagreement made itself known, well, I can't remember that I once agreed with this, quote, economist about any principled issue at all. What was the source of our disagreements? Precisely in this, the, quote, economists continually stray from social democratism over to trade unionism, not only in political tasks, but in organizational ones. The political struggle of social democracy is much broader and more complex than the economic struggle of the workers with the owners and the government. In exactly the same way, and as a consequence, the organization of the revolutionary social democratic party must inevitably be of a different type than the organization of workers. The organization of workers must be, in the first place, an organization according to trade, Secondly, it must be as broad as possible. Thirdly, it must be as little conspirativni as possible. I am, of course, speaking here and later only of autocratic Russia, right? Conspirativni, covert, right? Secret. In contrast, an organization of revolutionaries must consist primarily and mainly of people whose trade consists of revolutionary activity, which is why I speak of an organization of revolutionaries, having in mind social democratic revolutionaries. Given this common quality of the members of such an organization, all distinctions between workers and intelligenti must be completely eliminated not to speak of the distinction between the separate trades of one or the other, this organization must necessarily be not very broad and as conspirativni as possible, as covert, careful, right, as possible. Let us examine this triple distinction. In countries with political freedom, the distinction between a trade organization and a political one is completely clear, just as the distinction between trade unionism and social democracy is clear. Of course, relations between political organizations and trade organizations will necessarily vary depending on historical, legal, and other conditions. In our opinion, these relations should be as close as possible and as little complicated as possible. But in free countries, there is never any question about a complete overlap between the organization of trade unions and the organization of a social democratic party. At first glance, the oppression of the autocracy in Russia wipes out any distinction between a social democratic organization and a worker union, since any and all worker unions and any and all circles are forbidden since the main manifestation and tool of the economic struggle of the workers, the strike, is in general a criminal and sometimes a political uh, offense. Thus, our conditions on one hand very much push, quote-unquote, workers who are carrying out an economic struggle to face political issues, and on the other hand push, quote-unquote, social democrats to mix up trade unionism and social democratism. And our Krichevskys, Martinovs, and company, who talk so zealously of the first kind of, quote, pushing, do not notice the, quote, pushing of the second kind. Indeed, picture to yourself people who are immersed 99% in the, quote, economic struggle with the owners and the government, unquote. Some among them will never during the entire period 
of their activity from four to six months be pushed to confront the issue of the necessity of a more complex organization of revolutionaries. Others will be, quote, pushed up against the comparatively widely disseminated Bernsteinian literature, from which they will receive the conviction of the utter importance of the, quote, forward march of the gray ongoing struggle, unquote. Finally, a third group will perhaps get carried away by the seductive idea of showing to the world a new model of, quote, close and organic links with the proletarian struggle, unquote, links between the trade union movement and the social democratic one, the later a country steps into the arena of capitalism and consequently of the worker movement, such people may reason, the more will socialists be able to support and participate in the trade movement and the less room there is for non-social democratic unions. Up to this point, this reasoning is completely correct, but unfortunately, such people go further and dream of a full fusion of social democratism and trade unionism. But we will now see how harmfully such dreams influence our organizational plans, using the example of the rules of the St. Petersburg Union of Struggle. An organization of workers for economic struggle must be a trade organization. Any worker social democrat must assist as much as possible and actively work in such organizations. This is indeed the case, but it is not at all in our interests to demand that only social democrats can be members of such, quote, special interest, tsekovye, unions. This would narrow the dimensions of our influence on the mass. Let any worker who understands the necessity of uniting for a struggle with the owners and the government participate in such a special interest union. The very aim of special interest unions would be unattainable if they did not unite everybody to whom at least this elementary degree of understanding is accessible, if these special interest unions were not very broad organizations. And the broader these organizations, the broader will be our influence on them, an influence coming not only from the stihini, quote-unquote, development of the economic struggle, but also from the direct, purposive impact that a socialist member of the union exercises upon his comrades. But, given the wide composition of the organization, strict conspiratia is impossible, since this demands much greater preparation than is necessary for participation in the economic struggle. How can we reconcile the contradiction between the necessity of a broad composition and the necessity of strict conspiratia? How can one achieve special interest organizations that are as little conspirativni as possible? Generally speaking, there can be only two paths. Either legalization of special interest unions, which in several countries preceded the legalization of socialist and political unions, or keeping the special interest organization secret, but so, quote, free and amorphous, lose, as the Germans say, loose, that conspiratia for the mass of members is reduced to almost nothing, the legalization of non-socialist and non-political worker unions in Russia has already begun, and there is no doubt that each step of our swiftly growing social democratic worker movement will multiply and encourage attempts of this kind of legalization, attempts that come, for the most part, from supporters of the existing order, but partly from the workers themselves and from the liberal intelligentsia. 
the banner of legalization has already been unfurled by the Vasilevs and the Zubatovs. Assistance has already been promised and given by Mr. Ozerovs and Vormses, and among the workers there are already adherents of the new current. And from now on, we must reckon with this current. How should we reckon with it? On this question, there can hardly be two opinions among social democrats. We are obliged unremittingly to expose any and all participation in this current by the Zuvatovs and the Vasilevs, the gendarmes and the priests, and to explain to the workers the true intentions of these people. We are also obliged to expose any and all conciliatory, quote, harmonious overtones that make themselves heard in the speeches of the liberal activists at open meetings of the workers. It makes no difference whether these overtones result from sincere conviction about the desirability of the peaceful collaboration of classes, from the desire to curry favor with the authorities, or finally simply from clumsiness. We are obliged, finally, to warn the workers away from the trap for them set by the police when they keep a lookout at open assemblies and permitted societies for any, quote, hotheads, and when they try via legal organizations to introduce provocateurs into illegal ones. But doing all of these things does not at all mean that we should forget that in the final analysis, the legalization of the worker movement will be of advantage to us, and not at all to the Zubatovs. On the contrary, we can separate the wheat from the tares, inherent in partial legislation, and as it happens, by means of our campaign of indictments, we have just discussed the tares. The wheat is first, drawing the attention of ever broader worker strata, including the most backward, to social and political issues. Second, the liberation of us, the revolutionaries, from functions that are in essence legal ones, the dissemination of legal books, mutual aid, etc., functions whose development will inevitably provide us with greater and greater material for agitation. In this connection, we can and should say to the Zubatovs and Ozarovs, try your best, gentlemen, try your best. Insofar as you set traps for the workers, either in the sense of out-and-out -out provocation or in the sense of, quote, honestly, leading the workers astray with, quote, struvaism, we are already taking care to expose you. Insofar as you make a genuine step forward, even in the form of a, quote, timid zigzag, but still a step forward, we will say, please don't stop. A genuine broadening of scope for the workers, even a miniature one, can only mean a genuine step forward, and any such broadening will be of advantage to us and will accelerate the appearance of legal organizations in which the provocateurs will not catch the socialists, but the socialists will catch adherents. In a word, our business now is to fight with the tares. It is not our business to plant wheat in flower pots. By pulling up the tares, we are at the same time clearing the soil for the possible germination of wheat seeds. Uh, by the way, this word tare apparently means uh, poison weeds. This is a word I didn't know, but we're talking about weeds and wheat. And, while the people lacking any vision occupy themselves with their flowerpot crops, we must prepare reapers who will know how to cut down the tares of today, as well as reap the wheat of tomorrow. Note 6. The struggle of Iskra against the tares, the weeds, brought forth this angry sally from Roboche Adiello, 
Quote, For Iskra, the banner of the times is not so much these large-scale events in the spring, but rather the pitiful attempts of the Zubatov agents to, quote, legalize the worker movement. They do not see that these facts speak directly against them, for they testify that the worker movement has taken on very threatening dimensions in the eyes of the government. Two Congresses, page 27. Thus, the blame for everything rests on the, quote, dogmatism of the Orthodox, who are, quote, deaf to the imperatives of life, unquote, since they stubbornly do not see the acre of wheat and struggle with the square inch of tares, weeds. This must be a, quote, distorted sense of perspective in relation to the Russian worker movement, unquote. Isn't that right? Ibid, page 27. Back to the text. Thus it is not in our power to use legislation to solve the challenge of creating a trade organization that is as little conspirativni as possible and as broad as possible, although we would be very happy if the Zubatovs and the Ozerovs opened up to us even a partial possibility of such a solution, and for that to happen we should definitely do battle with them as energetically as possible, there remains the method of secret trade organizations, and we must show any and all assistance to the workers who are already embarking, as we know on good authority, on this path. Trade organizations are capable not only of bringing a huge advantage to the business of developing and strengthening the economic struggle, but also of becoming an important adjunct to political agitation and to the revolutionary organization. In order to attain this result, in order to direct the nascent trade movement in a channel desirable for social democracy, it is necessary, first of all, clearly to grasp the absurdity of the plan of organization with which the Petersburg, quote, economists have been obsessed for almost five years. This plan is set out both in the Rules of a Worker Fund of July 1897, Listok Rabotnika, number 910, page 46, taken from Rabochaya Musul number one, and in the Rules of the Worker Organization of the Union of Struggle from October 1900, a special leaflet printed in St. Petersburg and mentioned in Iskra number one. The main defect of both these sets of rules is the detailed formalization of the broad worker organization combined the mixture of this type of organization with an organization of revolutionaries. Let us take the second set of rules as it is worked out more thoroughly. The body of the rules consists of 52 sections. 23 sections set out the construction, the procedures, and the departmental responsibilities of the, quote, worker circles that are set up in each factory, not greater than 10 people, quote, unquote, and that elect the, quote, central factory groups, unquote. Section 2 announces, quote, the central group keeps track of everything happening at its factory or plant and keeps a chronicle of events, unquote. Again, quote, the central group gives a monthly report to all dues payers about the condition of the fund, unquote, number 17, and so on. Ten sections are dedicated to the, quote, district organization, unquote, and 19 to the extremely complex intermingling of the, quote, Committee of the Worker Organization and the, quote, Committee of the St. Petersburg Union of Struggle, unquote, elected delegates from each district and from, quote, implementation groups, that is, quote, groups of propagandists, groups for relations with the provinces, for relations with emigres, for managing stores of illegal literature, publishing, and various funds, unquote. 
social democracy equals, quote, implementation groups in relation to the economic struggle of the workers. Hmm. It would be hard to demonstrate more vividly how the ideas of the, quote, economist stray from social democratism to trade unionism and how foreign to such a person is any conception that the social democrat should first of all think about an organization of revolutionaries that is capable of guiding the entire liberation struggle of the proletariat. To talk about the, quote, political liberation of the worker class, unquote, about the struggle with, quote, czarist abuse of power, unquote, phrases from the preamble of the rules, and then to write organizational rules like these reveals a complete lack of understanding of the genuine political tasks of social democracy. Not one of the 50 or so sections reveals even a glimmer of understanding that we need a broad political agitation among the masses that illuminates all sides of Russian absolutism and provides a whole portrait of the different social classes in Russia. And not only political but even trade unionist aims cannot be realized with such rules since these aims demand organization according to trade. And this is not even mentioned. But probably the most characteristic feature is the striking unwieldiness of the whole, quote, system, as it tries to link each separate factory with the, quote, committee by means of permanent threads consisting of identical and ridiculously detailed rules that involve a three-stage system of elections. Crushed by the narrow horizon of, quote, economism, the thinking of the authors of the rules becomes addicted to details of the sort that reek of red tape and office routine. In practice, of course, three-quarters of these sections are never applied, although an allegedly conspirativni organization with a central group at each factory helps the gendarmes in their efforts to carry out incredibly broad provali. That is, uh, very broad purges, I think, here. Collapses, disasters, it has a broad range of meanings. Provali. The Polish comrades lived through a similar phase of their movement when everybody was carried away by a broad establishment of worker funds, but they very quickly turned away from this idea, having convinced themselves that all that was gained was a luxurious crop for the gendarmes. That is, the military police, right? If we want broad worker organizations and do not want broad provali, broad purges, if we do not want to give satisfaction to the gendarmes, then we must strive to see that these organizations remain completely without formal rules. But in this case, it might be objected, how can these organizations carry out their functions? Well, let's look at these functions, quote, keep track of everything that happens at the factory and keep a chronicle of events, unquote, section two of the rules. Does this really have to be formalized? Can't this be done even better by correspondence to illegal newspapers without any formation of special groups for this particular purpose? Quote, guide the struggle of the workers for the improvement of conditions at their factory, unquote, section three of the rules. Again, there is here no particular reason to formalize things. Any agitator with even a spark of understanding of what he is doing can find out in complete detail from a simple conversation what kind of demands the workers want to bring forward. Having found this out, he will be able to transfer it to the narrow, not broad, organizations of revolutionaries who will make an appropriate leaflet available. 
quote, organize a fund with contributions of two kopecks per ruble, unquote, section 9. And along with this, give everybody a report about the fund, section 17. Expel non-paying members, section 10, and so on. The police will think they have died and gone to heaven. Nothing is easier than to penetrate into this whole allegedly conspirativni, quote, central factory fund, unquote, and confiscate the money and arrest all the best people. <laughs> Isn't it simpler to issue one kopeck or two kopeck receipts with the stamp of a particular very narrow and very conspirativni organization? Or make collections without any receipts and publish reports under established code words in an illegal newspaper. The same aim will be attained, and the gendarmes will find it a hundred times more difficult to pick up the threads. I could continue this illustrative analysis of the rules, but I think that I have made my point. A small, closely compact nucleus of the most reliable, experienced, and toughened workers who have reliable representatives in the main districts, and who are tied to the organization of revolutionaries according to all the rules of the strictest possible conspiratia, will be able to carry out fully, along with the broadest participation of the mass and without any formalization, all the functions incumbent on a trade organization and besides do so in a way that is most desirable for social democracy. Only in this way can we attain the strengthening and development, in despite of all gendarmes, of a social democratic trade movement. It will be objected. An organization is th that is so loose that it is not even formalized at all, that does not even have any members at all who are known and listed, cannot even be called an organization. Perhaps. I don't insist on labels, but everything that is needed will be done by this, quote, organization without members, unquote, to assure that from the very beginning there will be a solid link of our future trade unioni with socialism. And he who desires a broad organization of workers with elections, reports, everything done by voting, and so on, under absolutism, that person is an incorrigible utopian. The moral of all this is simple. If we begin by firmly establishing a strong organization of revolutionaries, then we will be able to assure the stability of the movement as a whole, to realize social democratic aims along with specifically trade unionist ones. If, on the other hand, we begin with a broad worker organization that is allegedly, quote, accessible to the mass and in practice accessible mostly to the gendarmes, making revolutionaries more accessible to the police, then we will achieve neither social democratic aims nor trade unionist ones. We will not escape from artisanal limitations, and given our fragmentation and our eternal tendency to be destroyed by the police, we will only make the mass more accessible to trade unioni of the Zubatov or Ozerov type. What exactly should be the functions of this organization of revolutionaries? We will discuss this in more detail somewhat later. But for the present, let us analyze yet another extremely typical piece of reasoning of our terrorist, Nadezhdin, who again turns out to be a pitiable fate in closest proximity to the, quote, economist. In the Journal for Workers, Svoboda, number one, is an article entitled Organization, in which the author wants to defend his friends, the worker, quote, economists, from Ivanovo Vosnesiensk, 
He writes, It is a bad thing when the crowd is without voice, without awareness, when the movement does not proceed from below. But look, the students in a university town disperse for the holidays or go home on summer vacation, and the worker movement grinds to a halt. Can such a worker movement, pushed from the side, really be a genuine force? Not at all. It still has not learned to walk on its own two feet. It is moved around with leading strings. And it's the same all over. The students disperse. A halt occurs. The most capable ones, the cream of the crop, are snatched up by the police. And the milk sours. They arrest the, quote, committee. And until a new one is established, there is again a standstill. No one knows what the new committee will be like. Perhaps it will bear no resemblance to the former one, so that while the former committee said one thing, the new committee says the opposite. The link between yesterday and today is lost. The experience of the past does not teach anything for the future. And all this is because there are no roots in the depths, in the crowd. It's not the hundred fools who are at work, but just a dozen clever ones. A dozen can always be wiped out in one snap. But once the organization embraces the crowd, and everything comes from the crowd, nobody, no matter how diligent, will be in a position to wreck the cause. Page 63. Well, the facts are described correctly. The portrait of our artisanal limitations is not bad, but the conclusions drawn are worthy of Rabochaya Musil. Both because of their lack of logic and because of their political lack of judgment, it is complete absence of logic when the author confuses the philosophical and socio-historical issue of the, quote, roots of the movement in, quote, the depths, with the tactical organizational issue of the best means for a struggle with the gendarmes. It is complete political lack of judgment because instead of appealing from bad leader guides to good leader guides, the author appeals from all leader guides to, quote, the crowd. This is another attempt to drag us backward in the organizational sphere, just as Nadezhdin's other idea about excitative terror drags us backward in the political sphere. Truly, I face an embarras de richesse, my problem is that I am too fortunate. I don't know where to start the analysis of the confusion presented to us by Svoboda. I shall try to start, for clarity, with an example. Take the Germans. I hope that you will not deny that in their case, the organization embraces the crowd, everything proceeds from the crowd, and the worker movement has learned to walk on its own two feet. And meanwhile, how this crowd of millions knows how to value its, quote, dozen of tried-and-true political leaders, how firmly they latch on to them. More than once, the deputies from hostile parties in Parliament tease the socialists, quote, Fine Democrats you are. Only in words are you a movement of the worker class, but in reality the same old clique of leaders are always before us, always the same Babel, always the same Liebknecht, Year after year, decade after decade, why, your supposedly elective worker delegates are even more irremovable than the bureaucrats appointed by the emperor, unquote. But the Germans merely smile contemptuously at these demagogic attempts to oppose, quote, the crowd to, quote, the leaders, to inflame in the former unworthy and envious instincts, to steal from the movement its solidity and stability by destroying the trust of the mass in the, quote, dozen clever ones, unquote. 
political thought has developed enough among the Germans and they have had enough experience for them to understand that without the quote dozen of talented, and talent is not something available by the quote hundreds, and experienced leaders who have been long schooled and prepared for their trade as political leaders. Leaders who have learned to work together smoothly as a team. Without all this, a steadfast struggle is impossible on the part of any class at all in modern society. Various demagogues have arisen from among the Germans who have flattered the, quote, hundred fools, flattered the, quote, muscular fist of the masses, instigating it in the matter of Most or Hasselmann to reckless, quote, revolutionary actions while instilling lack of trust toward the firm and steadfast leaders. And only thanks to an unremitting and uncompromising struggle with any and all demagogic attempts within socialism has German socialism grown so much and acquired such strength. And our sages here in Russia, in a period where the entire crisis of Russian social democracy can be explained by the fact that there are not enough prepared, developed, and experienced leader guides for the masses who are awakening in Stahini fashion, tell us with all the profundity of a simpleton, quote, Oh, it's bad when the movement does not come from below, unquote. Quote, A committee of students is of no use and cannot be relied upon, unquote. Mm, absolutely correct. But the conclusion we need to draw is that we need a committee of revolutionaries by trade. It doesn't make any difference whether it is a student or a worker who makes out of himself a revolutionary by trade. But you draw the conclusion that one shouldn't push the worker movement from the side. Due to your political naivete, you don't notice that you're playing into the hands of our, quote, economists and artisanal limitations, May one ask what exactly is meant by the, quote, pushing of our workers by our students? One thing and one thing only. The student brings to the worker those fragments of political knowledge in his possession, those crumbs of socialist ideas that have fallen his way. Since the main mental nourishment of our present-day student, legally permitted Marxism, is incapable of providing anything beyond rudiments, beyond crumbs. There is not too much of this kind of, quote, pushing from the side but rather too little, scandalously and shockingly little, in our movement, since we so zealously stew in our own juices, so slavishly kowtow before the elementary, quote, economic struggle of the workers with the owners and the government, unquote. We who are revolutionaries by trade should and will occupy ourselves with this kind of, quote, pushing a hundred times more than we are, but precisely because you pick such a grotesque expression as, quote, pushing from the side, one that will inevitably create in the worker, in any event a worker that is just as undeveloped as you are, a lack of trust toward all who bring him political knowledge and revolutionary experience from the side, and will call forth an instinctive desire to reject all such people. Just for this reason, you show yourself a demagogue, and demagogues are the worst enemies of the worker class. Oh yes, don't rush to raise a howl about the, quote, uncomrade-like methods, unquote, of my polemic. I am far from suspecting the purity of your intentions. I have already said that someone can become a demagogue out of pure political naivete. But I have shown that you have lowered yourself to demagoguery. 
and I will never tire of repeating that demagogues are the worst enemies of the worker class. Worst, quote-unquote, precisely because they inflame the bad instincts of the crowd, and because it is not possible for less developed workers to recognize these enemies who present themselves, sometimes quite sincerely, as their friends. Worst, quote-unquote, because in a period of confusion and unsteadiness, in a period when the profile of our movement is just coming together, there is nothing easier than to use demagoguery to entice the crowd with, which recognizes its mistake only through the most bitter experience. This is why the slogan of the moment for the present-day Russian Social Democrat should be a resolute struggle against both Svoboda when it descends to demagoguery and against Robocea Diello when it descends to demagoguery. We will talk more in detail on this subject below. Note 7. Go right there. Here we notice only that everything said by us about, quote, pushing from the side, unquote, and all the further reasoning by Svoboda about organization applies completely to all, quote, economists. The Roboche Diallo people are included in that number since some of them actively preach and defend these views on the issue of organization, and others of them stray in that direction. Back to the text, quote, it is easier to wipe out the dozen clever ones than the hundred fools, unquote. This magnificent truth, for which you will always be applauded by the hundred fools, seems self-evident only because in the course of your reasoning you have skipped from one issue to another. You started talking and continue to talk about wiping out the, quote, committee, wiping out the, quote, organization, and now you skip over to the issue of wiping out the, quote, roots of the movement, quote, in the depths. Of course, our movement as a whole cannot be wiped out only because it has hundreds and hundreds of thousands of roots in the depths. But here we are talking about a completely different subject. In relation to, quote, roots in the depths, unquote, it is impossible to wipe us out even now, despite all our artisanal limitations. And nevertheless, we lament and cannot help lamenting when, quote, organizations, unquote, are wiped out so that any continuity of the movement is destroyed. But once you take up the issue of wiping out organizations and do not stray from this issue, then I say to you that catching the dozen clever ones is much more difficult than catching the hundred fools. And I will defend this position, no matter how much you set the crowd on me from my, quote, anti-democratism and so forth. By, quote, clever ones in matters of organization, we can only mean revolutionaries by trade. As I have already pointed out more than once, no matter whether it be students or workers that learn this trade. And thus I affirm, one, not a single revolutionary movement can be solid without a stable organization of leader guides that preserves continuity. Two, the broader is the mass that is drawn into the struggle in Stahini fashion, a mass that constitutes the basis of the movement and participates in it the more pressing is the necessity for this kind of organization and the more solid this organization must be, for the easier it will be for any demagogue to entice the undeveloped strata of the mass. 3. This kind of organization must consist for the most part of people who treat revolutionary activity as a full-time trade. 4. In an autocratic country, the more we narrow the membership of such an organization, 
so that the only ones who participate in it are those who have learned revolutionary activity as a trade and have undergone an apprenticeship in the art of struggle with the political police. The more difficult will it be to, quote, wipe out such an organization. And five, the broader will be the roster of individuals, both from the worker class and from other classes, who will have the possibility of participating in the movement and actively working for it. I propose to our, quote, economists, terrorists, and, quote, economist terrorists, unquote, note eight, to refute these theses. Note eight. This term, quote, economist terrorist, is perhaps more correct in relation to the Svoboda group than the first two, since terrorism is defended in Rebirth of Revolutionism, while, quote, economism is defended in the article about organization in Svoboda. About the Svoboda group, it can be said that their heart is in the right place, but not their brain. Their inclinations are excellent. Their intentions are of the best. And the result is sheer confusion. The confusion is due mainly to the fact that while the group defends continuity of organization, Svoboda is not interested in continuity of revolutionary thought and social democratic theory. To try to call to life again the revolutionary by trade, rebirth of revolutionism, and to propose for this purpose, first, excitative terror, and second, an quote, organization of middle workers, unquote, Svoboda number one, page 66 and following, combined with less, quote, pushing from the side, unquote, all of this is equivalent to heating one's house by chopping the house itself up for firewood. Back in the text, I will now look at the last two in more detail. The issue of the relative ease of wiping out a, quote, dozen clever ones versus, quote, a hundred fools reduces itself to the issue analyzed earlier. Is a mass organization possible given the necessity of strict conspiratia? If there is to be any hope of a struggle with the government that is stable and that preserves continuity, we need a level of conspiratia that is unobtainable from a broad organization. And the concentration of conspirativni functions in the hands of a few revolutionaries by trade, as few as possible, does not at all mean that these revolutionaries will, quote, think for everybody, unquote, that the crowd will not actively participate in the movement. On the contrary, the crowd will push forward a greater and greater number of these revolutionaries by trade, because then the crowd will know that it is not enough to establish a, quote, committee by gathering together a few students and a few workers who conduct the economic struggle, since training oneself as a revolutionary by trade takes years, so that the crowd will, quote, think not only about artisanal limitations, but precisely about such training. The centralization of the conspirativni functions of the organization does not at all mean centralization of all the functions of the movement. The active participation of the broadest mass in distributing illegal literature will not decrease, but will intensify ten times over if the, quote, dozen revolutionaries by trade centralize the conspirativni functions of this business. In this way, and only in this way, will we achieve a situation where the reading of illegal literature, making contributions to it, and to some extent even dissemination of it, will almost stop being a conspirativni affair. 
because the police will quickly understand the absurdity and impossibility of raising a judicial and administrative fuss in reaction to every copy of a publication that is distributed in the thousands. And the same thing applies not only to the press, but also to all the functions of the movement, up to and including the demonstration. The most active and the broadest participation of the mass in a demonstration not only will not suffer, but on the contrary will gain greatly if a, quote, dozen experienced revolutionaries, schooled in their trade no less than our police, centralize all the conspirativni aspects of the matter, namely preparation of leaflets, working out an approximate plan, appointment of a detachment of leader guides for each district of the city, for each factory neighborhood, for each educational establishment, and so on. I know that people will object to the, quote, undemocratism of my views, but I will respond to this far from intelligent objection below. The centralization of the more conspirativni functions of the organization of revolutionaries does not weaken, but enriches the broadness and the content of the activity of a whole mass of other organizations that base themselves on a broad public and are therefore as informal as possible and as little conspirativni as possible. These include worker trade unions, worker circles for self-education and the reading of illegal literature, socialist as well as democratic circles in all other strata of the population, and so on and so on. These circles, unions, and organizations are necessary in all places and in the broadest possible number with the most variegated functions, but it would be absurd and harmful to mingle them with the organization of revolutionaries, erase the border between these types of organization, extinguish in the mass the awareness, already unbelievably dim, that in order to, quote, serve the mass movement, we require people who have dedicated themselves full-time to social democratic activity, and that such people must train themselves with patience and stubbornness to be revolutionaries by trade. Yes, this awareness un is unbelievably dim. Our basic sin in organizational matters is that, due to our artisanal limitations, we have injured the prestige of the revolutionary in Rus, Russia. A person who is flabby and shaky on theoretical issues, who has a narrow horizon, who uses the stehinost of the mass in justification of his own sluggishness, who resembles more the secretary of a trade union than a people's tribune, who is unable to advance a broad and daring plan that would inspire respect even from opponents, who is inexperienced and clumsy even in the art of his own trade, the struggle with the political police. Excuse me, this person is not a revolutionary, but some kind of wretched artisan. I hope no practique will be angry at me for these sharp words, since, insofar as we are talking about lack of preparation, I apply them first of all to myself. I worked in a circle that took upon itself very broad and all-embracing tasks, and all members of our circle had to suffer agonies to the point of illness, from our awareness that we were showing ourselves to be nothing but artisans at a historical moment about which it could have been said, modifying a well-known saying, give us an organization of revolutionaries and we will turn Russia around. And as often as I remember to this day the burning feeling of shame that I felt then, 
the more anger builds in me against those pseudo-social Democrats who, quote, bring shame to the high calling of revolutionary, unquote, and who do not understand that our task is not to defend the lowering of the revolutionary to the artisan, but to raise the artisan up to the revolutionary. That was Lenin's What is to be Done, Chapter 4, Artisanal Limitations of the Economists, Sections A through C. I am Fergal Schmudlock of the Kingless Generation podcast. If you'd like to support this project, look us up on Patreon uh, and kick us a few clams. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>